Hey. Hey, man. How's it going? Good. How are you? Doing pretty well. Uh, just hanging here in Los Angeles. Yeah, uh, I'm based out of uh, Toronto. Oh, very cool. That is truly one of my favorite places on the planet, so I'm jealous. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people, uh, a lot of people say that, even like artists and like when they come to Toronto, it's like a great city, so it's always good to hear. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, we, we've also randomly just, our experience is, I feel like a lot of artists end up liking the places they have days off, and for whatever reason, like five of our however many tourists have sort of been set, set up in a way where we've had off days in Toronto in the summertime and gotten to like hang out on the lake and just, I've had some yeah, I love Toronto, yeah. but you probably hear, you probably hear that all the time. But I promise it's genuine for me. Yeah, it's good to hear. Um, but uh, before we begin, yeah, just like how are you? Uh, what, what things going on? And you know, I know with the release of the record, you guys um, had a message about it. So before we even start, like, how are you? Like as a person? Yeah, I mean, I'm okay. I, I um, I've been kind of on a, on a wild ride, just in that I was in New York City uh, for the start of the COVID pandemic and um, sort of rode that out a bit in New York City, which was wild. And I thought, you know, once that started to settle down, I actually came out to Los Angeles to record um, some like basically like live shows without fans sort of thing. And then, uh, of course, everything that, that transpired after George Floyd was murdered um, has been wild. But of course, for us, it, it was you know, it happened at a time where I think it allowed us to, where we could have been kind of forced to promote an album or whatever would have felt so insignificant compared to that. And uh, it allowed us to get out in March and, and use our voices and raise some money. Like we had a thing there right for us that was so obvious. That was like, okay, like how do we contribute, you know, beyond just showing up for the marches and stuff. And it was, we had this album that was like, sitting right there we were like people are going to buy this we could you know donate that money so i think for us it's been it's been positive and obviously we're hoping that it all works in the end it, my fear of course which i'm sure is everyone's fear is that it's just it ends up fading away and that it doesn't have the impact that we all hope it does so i'm good i'm just like everybody else just hanging on in this weird world and hoping that hoping for the best yeah i think uh not to touch on it already, but I think one of the songs you have on your album, Have Faith, is a really good um, poignant message. I guess just have faith right now. Um, but to yeah, <laughs> to start, uh, yeah, my name is uh, Jabril Osman, uh, music journalist based out of Toronto. Uh, I started a media platform called Studio One, where I have an opportunity to interview artists that I would like to interview, but more importantly, you know, international acts, local acts, and um, wide variety of genres. So uh, it's amazing to have you on. Uh, before we properly begin, can you just briefly introduce yourself, and then we can just get started? Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm Matt Quinn from the band Mount Joy. Cool. All right. Um, to start, I knew you grew up, I think, in and around Philadelphia. But um, what I really would like to know is, I know that your dad played music growing up. Um, can you talk about your first introduction to music and um, how you, I guess, to uh, gravitated towards it as a youth before you kind of really dived into it sure yeah i mean for me it was more um i just grew up with music on in the house you know my dad had a record player and 
when he wasn't working, like on the weekends, uh, there was always music on. And um, I just kind of been one of those kids that always really dug the music he was playing. It was a lot of jazz and um, 60s, 70s folk, um, Grateful Dead jam, jam type stuff. Um, and I sort of just started at a certain age, probably like, I don't know, I was like in like, I don't know, 12 or 13, you kind of start being like, I want to have my own records and I want to build my own collection and stuff like that. So started digging through a lot of that stuff and kind of really going through the history of it and um, getting into various genres. And I think at that point, that's when I was, you know, really trying to learn how to play guitar and realized I could sing a little bit. And so started writing songs. And I think for me, it was less, now, my dad plays like a little banjo and stuff, but I, I don't think he would even call himself like a musician. He's just a huge music fan, and so is my mom. And so I think it was more just my love for music and playing music grew out of just their love for music in general in the house. So Yeah, and something that I really like to ask artists, because it's kind of like the uh, like a fun thing to ask early on, can you talk to me about like what your early song sounded like? I'm sure, um, you know, the, the practice in the beginning, but... Do you have any fond memories of some early songs that you made when you're kind of just learning how to write, you know, all those things? Yeah, um, definitely some bad ones in there, but I think a lot of artists do this, and I, I, it's an insecurity thing, but I was in these sort of like joke bands, like it's it's a joke, but you're really out there playing, so I don't yeah. know who the joke is on except for, for me, but, um, you know, you're writing about silly stuff, and I remember... We had a song, me and my friend had a song about, uh, I don't know if you have them in Canada, but we had this like, we were overrun at some point in my childhood by this thing called stink bugs. Do you guys have stink bugs? Uh, I'm not sure. It's good if you don't, but literally we were overrun. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Like the back of my house growing up, like in the summertime, it was like a white house and it would be like brown because it was covered by thousands of these bugs. Um, And it was crazy. So we, of course, captured one of them. We named it Captain James, and we took care of him. It was a very weird thing that I hope PETA isn't going to like come after me for, but um, we took good care of him. We wrote a song about him. We wrote like this whole stupid sort of trilogy of songs, but I, I went back, and I, I did hear it like within the last couple of years, and it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. So, yeah, I've, I've made some really stupid, funny songs. Yeah. Yeah, I do feel like um, with artists, like, because like, I look at it from a fan's perspective, I think for us, like, um, we enjoy seeing like the progression, but I think some artists uh, tend to not look at those things as I'm not that anymore, but I like love those moments because you really see like growth. Um, so as you really uh, ventured into high school and you, um, I think you t- started taking music a bit more seriously, um, talk to me about this, uh, the progression, because a lot of uh, artists, like some of them really dive into music and then some go into college and they're balancing a job and music is that pinpoint thing for you when did um i would say the hardship of that start the balance i guess was it in college or i guess in high school um i would say the balance really uh like where i kind of first thought maybe i wasn't gonna play music uh came after college in college i studied music sort of halfway did like a music and business type degree um, so I was playing music, I was around musicians, and it felt like, I'm going to be a musician, you know. It, but then, you know, you graduate, and 
it, there's there's just not that much opportunity to, to pay rent and be a musician. So, you know, I first started, I was working at a restaurant um, in Boston and then kind of decided that I would try to become a lawyer, which, uh, you know, I found like kind of a clerk type job at a law firm where I was kind of answering phones, but playing, still doing like open mics and stuff. So I was kind of balancing the, the nine to five type work. And, and then I got another job in Los Angeles, similar type legal related thing. And I took that job and that's sort of where I, I, Sam Cooper, who is the guitar player in the band who I, I grew up with in Philadelphia, also sort of landed out in LA after he found a job, uh, like a few months or maybe six months after I had moved to LA. And, you know, that balancing act turned into, I actually knew a guy in the city now who I used to make music with. Um, and that's where the balancing act sort of became out joy. You know, we were working and we would get together on the weekends to, you know, show, show each other songs or, or, you know, add a part to a song and just slowly built, you know, maybe five or six songs. And, uh, those were the beginning of Mount Joy. So eventually the balancing act worked out for me. Yeah. And getting into it too. Um, what I like found really cool was just the, uh, like said, DIY approach of how you went about your first record. Cause it was more like, okay, so like even finding a uh, bandmates on Craigslist or it's kind of the way I read into it was like, how do we, you know, we have these songs, let's really record them. Let's find these uh, uh, bandmates. And then you all come together and you make this record. For you in that moment, did it feel as DIY as it sounds? Yeah, well, yeah, because I don't think we, you know, the perspective now is like, you know, we've toured and toured and had some success. But for us, it, it was, you know, can we get these songs to a demoable place where, you know, it sounds good enough that maybe we could send it to a record label or maybe we could, we didn't know how we were going to get heard, but we just thought if we can get it sounding good enough, then people will say, oh, you know, you can re-record it with whomever, you know, <clears throat> that they would have the, the resources for us to record it with. So it felt very DIY in the sense that it was. I mean, I remember we allotted like, you know, we were both working more assistant type jobs, not making a ton of money. So we allotted like $800 for the whole project. So it was like, you know, it was, it could only have been with yeah. friends and people who, who wanted to help us really. Yeah. And going to that too. So with the record, um, in this kind of new era that we, we, I guess, live in, in the industry where, you know, a lot of artists now are kind of journalists. You don't know what they really sound like. Um, streaming has become like a proponent uh, in the industry. For you guys, um, I know one of the records that you have did really well on Spotify. And at the time, uh, even though I think it was like 2018, it was still, I think, not as big as it is now. For you guys, how do you tackle those two things as a band in terms of this new like power of streaming and uh, not wanting to be boxed in in a specific genre? You know, for us, I feel like we've been lucky in the sense that we made the first record the way it was because like you kind of brought up before, that's what we had. You know, we were, I had an acoustic guitar, so I wrote all the songs on in an acoustic way and it sort of became a more folk Americana sounding record. But once we were a band touring, playing hundreds of shows and trying out all different arrangements with the full band, it it was easy for us to progress, if you will, into different sounds and stuff, just because 
it was never the goal originally to and it still isn't you know if nothing against americana maybe the next record will end up being all americana sounding folk whatever but it, it for us has always just been about trying to find what moves us and inspires us from a writing perspective and we really don't think too much about like are we in this specific genre or whatever it's and maybe that'll ultimately be our demise but so far it's it's worked out for us and um and and you know the spotify thing in terms of you know i guess what you're getting is maybe they they sort of stick people in genre boxes and people have a hard time getting out of it but for us like we've always found spotify to be super supportive of the music we make and and it's been easy for us so maybe that's a boring answer i don't know no it's a great answer i think it's a really cool perspective because i feel like um i think with streaming we still don't um see its adverse effects i think right now the, the idea of tiktok is still a bit bubbling in terms of how it is impacting records I, I think spotify uh i think for the past couple of years really boomed into what it is now but on that note too with um your first record and how DIY it was and, and now going beyond that with the shows and learning how to perform and things like that. How did you guys go into your second record um, with the approach of, you know, you are a band now, this is what you do. Um, how did Rearrange Us, I guess, how did that come about for you guys? Yeah, I mean, we really, um, I don't know, it's kind of like one of those things where this may be a bad analogy, but, you know, I think making the record is hard no matter how much time you have or, or whatever, but we really had no time. I mean, we, we recorded um, the album starting in June of last summer. So last June and, uh, and we, we got off the road in mid April. So we basically toured until mid April. And then we had like six weeks, I think before we, where we were off the road to like write the record and, and, figure it all out obviously a lot of the songs have been worked on before and we've had a chance to maybe play some of them live but the whole thing was so done on the fly and our lives had been so sped up by touring that i think it just we never had to think about it we just ripped the band-aid it was like we gotta go make a record we gotta try to you know further our career and, and take the next step and you know it wasn't the type of process where we like you know like went and lived in a cabin by the lake for 10 years and sought inspiration yeah. from the spirit gods. Like it was really just like, you know, there were things that were moving us throughout the, the, that time period. And, and we were putting them into song, you know, and, and, and just sort of went with our instincts and we had learned so much together on the road and become such a, a close kind of knit group musically and, and friendship wise that, I think things just sort of fell in place pretty quickly. There weren't a lot of like B-sides for this record as a result. It was sort of like, you know, here's, I think maybe we came up with like 15 songs uh, that we were really proud of and we were kind of like, maybe one or two got added together kind of thing. And, and that was the album. And we took it to Tucker, um, who was just an, an amazing producer. And, and pretty quickly he gave us confidence. He's like, I think there's a really good record in these songs that you guys have. I wouldn't ever think it. So I would say the whole process was just like probably not how you should do it, but but it worked out for us in that I, in that I think we were so close from from playing all those shows together. Yeah, and I think an easy thing to say for you guys to ask is you know it's um, 
it all looks really fast in terms of it's only been a couple of years. So for you, of course, it hasn't been just two years. It's a lifelong pursuit. Given the coronavirus and everybody kind of just sitting and relaxing, have you had the time to really reflect on how everything has progressed so quickly? Because given everything you're saying, it does seem like really, really fast. So as an artist or even as a person, uh, do you tend to reflect on like moments as they're happening or are you kind of on to the next? Um, for, for us, we sort of talked about this on, on this record and, and the song Rearrange Us, just about how time kind of pushes and pulls. You know, when you're on tour, sometimes it feels like forever, but then when you look back at it um, from sort of a more zoomed out perspective, time really does has flown for us. And um, at least we see how other people see it that way, um, especially now, you know, where you have the opportunity to, to really look back on it because we're not on the road yeah sure now um given um i guess what's going on in the world and things like that how have you guys as a band been able to continue to connect or make music has it been easy has it been hard or are you guys like in the same vicinity how has that been working um i think at first um it was hard just because there's no there's no roadmap for this. You know, this is the first time this has ever happened uh, in my lifetime. Um, and so we had to figure out how to become a digital, fully digital presence. Um, and that's, I think that was tough for us just because we're not like, you know, you talked about TikTok and we would love to like be a part of that or whatever, but yeah. we're, just, we're just not like selfie culture good at the internet that's not a diss to people that that are yeah. we, we certainly wish we were now um but it's just not what we set out to do and and we're sort of maybe more private and 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 less likely to want to hold my camera up to my face this close and, and and do a show on instagram or whatever and there's nothing wrong with that too yeah you know and i, I think we sort of set up a world where we really didn't have to do that that often and then you kind of flip and you're like well if you want to have a job then this is this is it so it sort of forced us into some uncomfortable situations but you learn and you, and you figure it out and it probably made us better at all of this stuff which we which we needed to be anyways so you know i think it's been a for every band and literally for every job there's been this massive adjustment period and it's been no different for us and i will say that we're pretty ready to play a show for fans uh in, in a when it's safe to do so. So hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah. Now, in a final question, which has been kind of my running theme for these past interviews that I've done recently, um, I usually ask, you know, how is the rest of the year going for you? You know, you got shows and things like that, but with everything going on, that's become an impossibility. So as a final question for you, what is something, I guess, you've learned throughout the journey as a musician, as a band, that you kind of wished you had known early on? What's something that you kind of think to yourself like oh like a i didn't know i was going to pick this or b uh, i'm getting better at something what's kind of something that sticks out for you um i would say i mean there's a bunch but I, I would say to keep it to like musicians or anyone that wants to play in a band like it seems obvious i guess but it's so true that really the only way to get comfortable and to get good in my opinion at playing music live in front of people is to play music live in front of people. Uh, it's such a dynamic uh, thing to do in terms of 
there's so many different uh, important things to keep in mind. And then obviously the physical ability to play your instrument and to sing or whatever it is that you do. And I really, truly believe that the, you know, when you're watching a really, really good band, it's, it's very rare that that's like their first show or something like that. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate you. Uh, thank you guys for having me. Um, and yeah, I hope you guys stay safe and, uh, uh, yeah. And just, I guess like everything else, just have faith. Yeah, Rich, that's a great way to put it. Thanks again for taking the time out. Yep. Take care, man. Take care.